because we have a little special segment, I thought let's keep Chef Michael Fecker around, who's uh, in studio with us here at at uh, WTMJ. So we asked for questions earlier, and we got a lot of text questions. Um, let's get your mic on there. There we go. Um, so I got some of those. If you have questions for Chef Fecker, now's the time to ask him. Eight five five six one six one six one. I got some of the some of the newer ones here. Uh, best dressing. This is kind of subjective. Best dressing for wedge salad, or what else do you add to the plates of a wedge salad? Wonderful. Um, my favorite is blue cheese. But if you love wedge salads, change your dressings until you find the one that you love the most. Tomato should be on a wedge salad because it's got water content, so it cleanses that pungent flavor of blue cheese as you're biting and you're enjoying it. Onion, red onion that has been sliced thin and soaked in a little bit of lukewarm water just before you put it on the salad. And that takes the harshness of the onion away when you soak it in a lukewarm water or room temperature water. We all know about blue cheese dressing. Yes. But beyond that, any other dressing? Cheese on a salad. Uh, you know, a cheese on a bumper of a car tastes good. So, <laughs> <laughs> so of course, on the salad. <laughs> yeah. But I think shaved Parmesan is uh, overlooked sometimes. So if you're going to do a salad, also sometimes buy a nice wedge of Parmesan and with your box grater, shave it in a way that you have nice slices of thin Parmesan and throw it and break it over your salad. That every, would be wonderful. Every time I do these segments, I've eaten a granola bar today. You know, yeah. you know how this makes me feel? Well, yeah, you should tell me to bring some food for you. That's what you should Next do. time I got to do that. <laughs> um, here's a cheese question. Somebody asked me this after you were on last time. I don't have the right answer to this, and maybe you do, maybe you don't. I have a block of cheese in my fridge, whatever yes. kind it is. Yes. Okay? I know it's got a little mold on the edge of it. Yes. Do you cut off the mold? Cut off the mold and enjoy it. Eat the rest. Absolutely. Because cheese is kind of moldy anyway, right? Cheese is already fermented and is already aged. So the more the surface mold, it doesn't go penetrate within. It's not a piece of uh, chicken that has uh, water content in it and it travels inside. It doesn't do that. You, Many of you love mold because, like I do, blue cheese. Yes, blue cheese is yes. mold. That's why Basically I what it is. Yeah, lactose acid doesn't allow bacteria to grow. Um, how do you prepare, this is for the 9 tool. how do you prepare your garlic scapes? Um, well, if you have garlic scapes that I love, basically they're from the alien family, and you treat them the same way as you would do chives. You rarely cook them, and you keep them fresh and crisp, and you slice them and throw them over your salads. That's uh, what I would do. Uh, this one from the 262, what is the best way to make fall-off-the-bone barbecue ribs? Got it. So this one is a good one. I love it because I do this at home and at the restaurant all the time. You use steam to cook your ribs partially. So what you do is you're going to take the ribs, season them or dry rub them as you wish, put them in a roasting pan, a little bit of water on it, plastic wrap first, aluminum foil next, put it in the oven at 350 degrees Hmm. for at least 45 to an hour. And you will see, once you remove the aluminum foil, the plastic wrap is still there. It's never burned, nothing. Why? The water inside the pan is turning into steam. The steam lowers the melting temperature, and the um, plastic never uh, uh, melts. But it keeps the moisture in there and breaks your bones and your uh, breaks your ribs beautifully. So that's the difference between having like dried out funky yes, ribs sir. versus moist yes, sir. fall off the bone. Yes, sir. And then when you're ready, you put it on the grill and just five to ten minutes before 
consumption, you brush your barbecue sauce on it. I got a couple. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna ask. A couple questions about when you put the sauce. On. Yes, sir. So Five to ten minutes prior to consumption. So not like right away. No, it, 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 it's sugar. It's going to caramelize, then it's going to burn. So it's going to give you that bitter note on your flavor. Uh, let's. They keep coming in here. How much salt should I put in the water when I'm cooking my pasta? This is the trick. I want you all to listen to this one. The water of your pasta, your vegetables, your broccoli, your asparagus, it doesn't matter what it is that you're cooking, needs to taste like the water of the sea. That is the recipe. So when you taste the water and you've tasted the water, the salt content, that's it. You're good. And you never add salt to your water before your water starts steaming. It's a myth, you know, that you add it and the water boils sooner. Uh-uh. That's not the case. Water, uh, salt is a crystal. If it does not have heat, it doesn't melt or rehydrate again. So your salt goes and sits in the bottom. One of the things I learned about pasta is, you know, all these Facebook reels about cooking. Because once yeah. you start watching them, you get more of them. Yes. You don't throw away that water. That's gold. You put that into your other pan. Absolutely. That's gold. And you mix stuff, garlic yes, and all the other yes, stuff. Yes, sir. So when you're doing, let's say just a simple tomato sauce for your pasta, you reduce that tomato sauce as much as you can just before burning, okay, while your pasta is cooking. Then you take out the pasta with a little bit of that water. You bring it into the tomato sauce. Now the tomato sauce is going to come to the perfect consistency. Never add cheese to your sauce when you're serving your pasta. Always serve it on the side. Interesting. Chef Michael Fecker joining us. Ask him anything, 855-616-1620. Think about this one. Don't answer before the break. What cut of pork is best for pulled pork sandwiches? Very popular in the summer. Done. All the time. You're listening to Chef Michael Fecker and yours truly on WTMJ. Waiting for you. Joining me in studio on this Wednesday edition, Hump Day. Happy Hump Day, everybody. It's Chef Michael Fecker. El Mito, Dobies, Zesty. The and Il Mito in Delafield. Yes, and I just got this question, 414. What are the plans for Mr. Fecker's restaurant, Tumesa? Tumesa is so, it's amazing, the timing. Today, we started cleaning the interior, and I'm setting it up and getting it ready that it would open shortly and very soon, hopefully. Where is that? It's corner of Highland and Martin. So if you pass um, um, Holly Davidson and Coors on top of the valley, as it turns, as Highland turns, I'm right there in the corner. What's the cuisine? The cuisine used to be Mexican. Yes, mm-hmm. it was. That's why my I stole all of my wife's recipe legally because <laughs> she's my wife. Uh, <laughs> all right. So another question about kind of the all the stuff you've talked about. We're gonna figure out a way to post this on your website on our on our podcast Absolutely. page, so people can share that. I'm not gonna take the call, but David has a question. Uh, for making gravy, do you add the roux to the stock or vice versa? Always. The stock to the roux. And this is what you want to do, David. You want you to take your roux off the flame so there's no heat. Otherwise, it thickens up very fast. You pour some of your stock into the roux and with the whisk, rigorously uh, whisk it so you have no lumps. Once you see no more lumps, then you add a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Then you put it back on the flame. The minute it comes to boiling point, it's going to thicken up to the consistency that you want. So don't worry. That is not thickening up right away. What I love about your ability is, but what you can do, you can just, someone asks a question, and you can immediately go to that gray matter and, yeah. and pick out the specifics of those instances. Thank God, Steve. It's a blessing, and, you know, I've been blessed with the love for food. I live to cook. I cook to live. That's all I do. See, you I know? don't want to work that hard. No, the, <laughs> don't. Let me do stuff. it. I will grow the stuff, but I don't want to work that hard. I'll cook it for you. <laughs> uh, we asked this question. It was a great question about pulled pork. Best. Yes. Of course. Cut. The best cut is the Boston 
shoulder. So basically, is a um, uh, top round of the pork, and you cook it very slowly, low and slow, and do not remove the fat. The fat will be coming off and will be dripping down, and then you can just scrape it out with your hand with the glove on, and it comes right out, and then you shred it. Somebody asked us on the text on the old National Bank talking text line. You can get your question, and we still got a little bit of time, about 10 minutes before we got to say goodbye for this version of Ask Chef Michael Fecker. Um, on, can you smoke meats without a smoker? Absolutely. Your grill is a smoker. You just use it as a smoker. What you do, you create the center of the grill, no charcoal or nothing. You put very little charcoal around it, or you turn on your burners on the outside, and you put your meat in the middle, and you put some wood chips around it. And that's all it is. Your grill is a smoker. And then, so, but the, te- the thing about smoking, it's long time, right? Low temp, long time. You never go over 200 degrees with smoker. And the beauty of a grill, you have a thermometer right there in front of you. So it tells you what the temperature is. A lot of smokers don't. 200 is where you want to go because 200 to 212 is where water evaporates. And what smoking is all about is you use the smoke to evaporate the water content of a meat or a protein. Silly question. Never a silly question. What's your favorite pasta? Personally, I love rigatoni because it's a lot of pasta and the sauce goes inside in the middle. So with every bite, I enjoy it. I'm the same thing, but I'm I'm learning to really love cavatappi. Cavatappi is wonderful because it's got a screw. A lot of texture. Yeah, yeah, and everything gets stuck in that nice, uh, like a screw. I know. This this one, another one, somebody asked me this away from the show. How do you know when your pasta is ready? Uh, you take one and you taste it. I mean, that's the easy. I could have said that. <laughs> okay. Forget about this thing that you throw it against the wall, okay? That's a, that's a waste of pasta. Yeah, exactly. That, that's color. For me, color does it because when you put pasta in there, it's usually yellowish because of the egg content within the pasta. As water penetrates, it starts getting a little bit more diluted, the color. So it changes color on you. Do you think we, my wife and I just started to make our own pasta? Oh, it is the it. most simple process. Oh, Steve, it's so weird you say that. I said that the other day to one of Like, pasta is the simplest thing to make. So why don't we do it? Because a lot of people don't have the mixer or the cutter, so they don't You can cut buy it. a cutter for 20 bucks. Or, and, Steve, not only that, you can also do it the olden way. You just roll it out a little bit, and you put flour on it, and you roll it again, and you just cut it with a knife. The trick so is to keep rolling it to get it Bravo. flat. Bravo, yeah. yes. But we started doing this, so that's my next question. With fresh pasta, mm-hmm. I've heard that it's when it floats. Is that true? When it, yeah. then it's done? Yeah. Basically, what it says with fresh pasta, it floats because the water content that is inside the pasta or the dough is turning into steam and is coming to the surface. And it tells you, I'm ready. Take me out. All right. One more break here before we get to that. Nice compliment from the 414. He is amazing to listen to. What a great interview. His knowledge of cooking and food is off the charts. I love you. Thank you so much. Who do you credit with your knowledge about cooking? My mentor and my passion for constantly learning. I graduated culinary school as a cook. The journey of becoming a chef is always to be constantly begging and begging for more information. And that journey happens after a while. If you're willing to stay the course and enjoy the journey, you will become a chef. You cannot be a chief without understanding how the tribe works. Can you be a great chef in... A year? Two years? It, yeah, absolutely. It's the amount of time you put in. It's like anything, Steve. The more you put in, the more you receive. That's all it is. When you make, when you're cooking at one of your restaurants. Yes, sir. Do you tweak your own recipes? Cause you've been making this stuff for a long time. Constantly. 
constantly, not only for myself, for my customers, so they don't get bored, and for my team that they keep learning. Because if I keep teaching my team, they're going to be happy. If they become redundant and doing the same thing over and over and over again, they become technicians. They are not any more chefs or cooks. I wanted to say this again because we talked about this last time, and my friend Karen loved your lasagna at El Mito. That trick, you don't put the sauce... I never put tomato sauce in between the layers, yeah. and I don't use regular ground beef. I cook short ribs, chop them up, and put them in there for texture. All right, we got to take a break. One last chance to get your questions is 855-616-1620. The Old National Bank talking text line. We'll come back with Chef Fecker, then Brewers baseball coming up. WTMJ now. Having some fun in the studio with Chef Michael Fecker. Your questions. So we've got a couple ones. we we'll get it real quick here before we get to Brewers baseball. Cooking risotto, the texture says, what am I doing wrong? You are not using the sufficient amount of liquid, probably, and you're using cold liquid. You always boil your liquid and keep it at the simmer and add. This is the ratio, one to six. One cup of rice needs six cups of liquid to cook. That's what the ratio needs to be. Got a couple versions of this one. Salting your meats, steaks, chops, how do you know what's the right amount? Got it. Eighth of an ounce for every ounce of meat. That is the best ratio. So if you have an eight ounce, basically, um, steak, you use one teaspoon, maybe half a teaspoon of salt on it, on both sides. Yeah, you oversalt, you wreck the meat. Yeah, you not only you wreck the meat, it gets salty because the water content of the meat is disappearing and is evaporating. I love this general question for Chef Fecker. What is the telltale sign of a great Italian restaurant even before you taste the food? Keep it simple, and the space that you walk into is homey and pulls you in. Uh, Gibby from West Dallas, on a super tight budget, sometimes what would you recommend to add to cheap, that ramen, that cheap ramen you buy, to really make it pop? Lettuce, and lettuce, and lettuce, because there's so much salt in there that you want something that um, thins out the salt content. So hmm. cabbage and lettuce would be the best. What about add-ins like mushrooms? or? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, mushroom is a great one because it's got very high water content. Uh, do you ever take cooking tours or groups to Italy? I do all the time. I'm going in October of 2024, and we do that. We're going to fly into Rome. We're going to have our own bus. We're going to go into Tuscany. We're going to stay at a, a nice uh, hotel, and then we're going to be bused every day to different villages. So I don't want you to keep bu- unpacking and packing. I'll, I'll warm up Tuscany for you because I'm there for 10 days in September. So I'm, go- I'm going with Steve next time. <laughs> Let's make that happen. Yeah, uh, that would be beautiful. How about a cooking Oh, absolutely. Food and wine. Yeah. Where's Rose? Talk to Rose. Yeah, Where is Rose? Yeah. We'll, we'll talk to her. Yeah. All right. Um, this is kind of a fun one. We only got a little bit of time. Um, fast food. Yeah. Do you, you eat fast food? We all love fast food because what the Giants figured out is the three things that gets us addicted. Sugar, salt, and fat. And that's why every fast food content ingredient and food we eat is laced with those and the proper ratio. Why do you think a McDonald's French fries is the best out there. That French fries has already been sprayed with sufficient amount of sugar, salt, and fat, and food coloring. That's why they all look the same color. See, I gave up fast food. Yeah, me too. I try not to eat it, but once in a while, you know, you have that craving. You get a whiff of McDonald's French fries? Uh, I, I write an answer. <laughs> uh, we got a couple more coming in. Um, let's see. Um, let's, total amateur cook. We can do just a few things well. Um, how much of a disadvantage using a ceramic cooktop instead of an open flame? Open flame 
distribution is a little bit better. Electric distribution of heat is not as good. Induction is amazing. This is a big one because this is a national story. Your opinion of the governments or states, I should say, trying to shut down the use of gas stoves. Uh, well, I don't think it's going to be that easy. But to be honest with you, if you look at pots and pans being built, we are going towards induction and electric. But remember, to even have electricity, we still got to burn coal and we got to burn fire flames anyway. So w- what are we getting here and there? You so, know? But is there a difference between gas cooking and just regular... For me, I'm addicted to induction, and induction is electrical the power that is turned into a magnetic field. I love induction. You know, Steve, for us professionals, heat source is important. I got about a minute left before Brewers baseball coming up this afternoon on WTMJ. Um, the best way to cook a one fried egg in a pan. One fried egg. What do you mean by that? I have I crack an egg in a frying pan. Got it. I want it to be cooked over easy. Got it. What do I got? Perfect. Got it. So you fry the egg. You break it into the pan. All right. You take one tablespoon of uh, water. You put it in the pan and you cover it. It's going so to be the best. So you're steaming the thing. That's but then the, the, the already the fr- bottom has already fried. So basically you're trying to steam it so the egg white is cooked and the egg yolk stays nice and soft. All right, we have to do this again. <laughs> yeah, we got to do something on uh, tailgating because it's brewers. All yeah. right, well, we'll, uh, we'll see maybe. in a couple of weeks to do something on tailgating. Um, we'll work out the uh, the links to all of this exciting information. Always fun to talk to you. Chef Michael Fecker, El Mito, and other restaurants. Brewers Baseball coming up here on Love WTMJ. You.